Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. It's Wednesday, May the 10th. What an interesting day today may be. We've got a whole bunch to talk about. We've got FBI hearings going on in Congress. We have the uh, unveiling of an indictment, looks like, of a sitting congressman. And we have the state of the suspendables with my buddy, Real Steve Friend. We're going to be bringing him on in just a moment. Uh, If you don't watch our show regularly or you're not familiar with Steve, he is a former police officer. He's a former FBI agent. He is an author, and he is the senior fellow at the Center for Renewing America. So stick around. You're going to want to hear what he has to say. He promised that he was going to throw some stuff at me that I was not ready for, so we'll see what that looks like. And we're going to get into a whole bunch of news stories, including the ones we just talked about right now. First, what I do want to do is talk about our sponsor. And our sponsor is CatholicVote.org. CatholicVote.org is America's top Catholic advocacy organization. If you're watching on our Rumble channel, you can see the page right here. They do advertisements, corrections, they do uh, defense of our faith, family, and freedom. This is not just a Catholic organization. They they use the word Catholic almost in the, the traditional understanding, lowercase c, which is to say that it is a universal organization. They are pushing Christian values. If you're a pro-life person, if you believe in rule of law, if you believe in the defense of Christians across this country, you can check them out. They are currently suing the FBI, my former employer. I'm really grateful that they jumped on board with me. Uh, folks, if you scroll through, you'll see they have news that's going to be interesting to you, pro-life pregnancy centers, things about uh, politics that you can do, uh, different ways that you can follow the, the right candidates and kind of have some talking points as far as when you have discussions with your friends that are libs, friends that claim to be Christians and don't really understand what they're talking about. And uh, anyway, they have a fantastic page, catholicvote.org. Check them out. And we've got the chat going on right now live. Folks on Rumble, you can see yourself. <laughs> We're putting it on the screen. But before we get too rowdy, let's get uh, our buddy on here. I'm going to jump in with Real Steve Friend. Let me make see I push the right buttons. Here he is, Steve Friend, and I just see Eric joined us, so welcome to the chat, Eric. Thanks for being here, buddy. Uh, Steve Friend, welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show once again. Great to be with you. You are a celebrity now, Mr. Uh, Mr. Tim Pool guest extraordinaire. <laughs> don't tell it around. You said you had something from the from the Tim Pool thing. So, folks, uh, if you don't watch Tim Pool regularly, uh, I had I had family members tell me they'd never even seen that show or heard of it before, but uh, I was on Tim Pool's fairly large podcast on uh, Monday night, Monday evening. I also got about six hours of sleep over a period of three days. So that's kind of brutal. What, um, what, what was, were you watching on there that, that spun you up? I, I was just thought that this would be a great test of your, your marriage bonds, because I was thinking the whole time you're there, you're going to be checking out their setup and you're the, you're the tackleberry in everything that you do. And you're going to be super jealous of whatever high speed equipment has. And you're going to come home with about, 10 to 15 grand already pre-spent in your head and still remain married. Yes. Well, first of all, my wife knows exactly who I am. She knows exactly what I'm about. So the idea that I would spend money on gear, mm, that's built into the whole thing. Uh, somebody was responding to me on Twitter the other day, and uh, I had an issue with something the ATF had said. And they, some other lady, some anti-gun lady goes, you know, like, oh, the AR-15, when a bullet is shot out of the AR-15, as opposed to any other platform, <laughs> it hits with twice, the, you know, the, the force and, and it does, you know, at least three times the damage or something like that. And someone said, oh, God, don't let her know about the SIG uh, MCX. And I said, oh, yeah, don't. And then they said, well, I wish I had the kind of money to afford it. And I was like, oh, shoot, uh, I got two. I've got two SIG NCXs and I've shot their new Spear Light platform and they're both awesome. They're all the same. And then uh, I've also I, talked to my buddies into I, buying them. I have a good authority, I think, from the president that the, uh, the AR-15 will blow the lungs out of anybody that it, uh, it hits center mass. That's only if it's in nine millimeter. It has Correct. to be a nine millimeter. So pistol caliber carbine AR only blow the lungs out. The other ones hit body parts and explode. That was his, his argument, I think. Okay. So apparently he's basing his entire knowledge on uh, watching the Expendables trilogy as uh, that's his firearms knowledge. 
Correct. And now we can pivot nicely on that. Thanks for that. Uh, folks, if you are in the chat, by, by the way, hit the like button. You can subscribe to this channel. Most of you probably already are, but I do appreciate that. Um, if you are talking about the expendables, let's tell people how you came up with, because this is your baby. Um, we have a state of the suspendables. I'm looking at this as sort of a state of the union, and our union is the suspendables. I'm actually wearing fellow suspendables t-shirt right now, the last line strength. This is uh, our buddy Garrett O'Boyle's t-shirt uh, brand. And it uh, came off, you know, it's the same name as his Substack. How did you come up with Suspendables? I know it's tied to Expendables. Tell people what a Suspendable is. Well, I think a Suspendable is just somebody that's willing to draw a line in the sand and say that they're not going to cross that line. Uh, you know, whatever whatever your guiding force is on that, having uh, being a person of conviction, you don't necessarily have to have been you know, in law enforcement uh, or military you don't actually have to have been suspended from service. I think it's just a, it's a principal statement. Uh, but originally, it was just sort of a on a lark. I threw it out because we were all kind of in state of limbo, unpaid, with guys who had a unique set of skills. And I thought maybe we could be mercs and uh, rip off the, the expendables and call ourselves the suspendables. And then our buddy uh, Alan Fewer at the New York Times got a hold of that and put it into print in the, uh, the newspaper of record. So uh, it is an official moniker that we can now proudly display. And is it pronounced Fuhrer? Are you pretty confident with that? I have no idea, but he doesn't know how to spell my name. So I don't think I'm going to take the time to learn how to pronounce his. Yeah, I'm on board with that. That, that checks out. Uh, New York Times, a, a famous clown show at this point, unfortunately, as um, who is it? Andrew Clavin likes to say a former newspaper. So <laughs> they they are what they are. Um, what is the state of the suspendables at this point? Are we are we hanging in there? Are they are they winning? Are they going to take us down or? No, I mean, it's it's just sort of this uh, I, I keep calling the the FBI like the uh, comparing them to a big stack at the poker table. So they're just kind of used to having the largest stack and they lean on all the players and they fancy themselves a good poker player as a result of that. But uh, they don't really skilled in anything else other than just having a large stack. So they can they can bring a lot of resources to bear as our executive management's found of saying anytime they do the the coming to kiss up to the local sheriff or police chief. But at the end of the day, they don't have the uh, the skill prerequisite that, that we do. They're not nimble and they're not really critical thinkers. So I think we've been able to outmaneuver them and even catch them on some of their efforts recently to, to maybe mm, trap us into something or maybe make us look bad. I think there's been some, some efforts on their part that you and I have talked about <laughs> that we might want to talk about now, um, where I, th I think that there might be some, some wheels spinning up at FBI headquarters uh, about how to tarnish the suspendables. Yeah, people need to understand that we have a, a chat group that we keep going on an encrypted app. And one of the fun things about it is, is that every once in a while we'll do something and then you'll, you'll get this uh, this message from one of the other guys. Usually it's producer Phil who likes to write in all quotes. He'd be like, sir, they've done the, the so-and-so thing, whatever the thing is. It's always him just lampooning these guys. Uh, one of the best things you can do to a government agency, and that, and that includes the ATF, although they're used to it. Um, the FBI is not so used to it. But one of the best things you can do is just lampoon them, is to, to not take them seriously because they're not a serious organization, but they fancy themselves to be probably the most serious organization, right? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, they're, they they still they hurt themselves, patting themselves on the back, calling themselves <laughs> the premier law, law enforcement agency. I mean, you gotta you gotta do some a lot of chair time yoga to get the flexibility to pat yourself on the back as much as the FBI likes to do. Um, but they're just not, we haven't had any examples of great law enforcement on their, their part, even recently that they could even hang their hat on. It's when was the last time they had that big giant press conference was, wasn't something that was very politically controversial. Like Christopher Ray gets up after the, the proud boys conviction, which half the country sees as, as a problem or uh, when's the last time they had, you know, the, the giant stack of heroin and the 68 guns on the table. We're not with doing all the that guys. anymore. No, no, there's not. That press conference doesn't exist anymore. As uh, as Eric in the chat just said, he said Bongino likes to talk about the lips being surgically attacked to attached to the asses of uh, of whatever the establishment is. 100 percent accurate. <laughs> in fact, you talk about what is the big case that we're doing right now. And uh, one of the big cases is something that uh, George Hill sent us right this morning about this airman who was in, what was it, the Tennessee National Guard? Yes. So like, they, they stopped the next John Wick? Yeah. I, he was applying to be a hitman. I mean, I, first of all, I have to question your your intelligence if you just go on the internet and, and look for hitman for hire. What, what's wrong with rent a hitman? I think that seems perfectly useful. That's what you want to be. I, yeah, I mean, I think that's run by the same guys that are like, sir, they're trying to 
to execute a hitman enterprise. Well, it's, what's even goofier is that he mentioned uh, in this video that we saw was was something about the uh, the old Ask a Ninja, which some people may remember early YouTube days. There was a guy who was Ask a Ninja, and he was like coming in, you know, wearing the ninja mask and all this kind of thing, and then he would answer ridiculous questions that people would ask that from a you know fake ninja perspective. It was about that serious, and then yet. Apparently, this kid applied 10 times or something like that. So that's the FBI's big takedown. We got the John Wick, the uh, the airman who believes that he was going to go to rentahitman.com and uh, call sign Reaper, as you recall. But only after he applied almost a dozen times right. did they actually try to stop this from happening. I mean, you would think that once or twice might, might be the necessary predicate to open a full investigation and come down quickly. Maybe using a criminal complaint as opposed to you know going after former employees who walked into the Capitol 27 months ago uh, because expedience was necessary. But uh, apparently they they waited. They wanted to almost get to the, the full Baker's dozen number of applications this guy put in to That's right. actually sign up to kill people. Yeah, we need to have the entire thing. I'm going to uh, throw your tweet up here on the screen for people to look at. Um, this is a, a tweet from Steve's Twitter account. If you're not following him, it's real. It's at real Steve friend. Steve spelled S T. E V E not. However, Alan Ferrer might spell your name, um, incorrectly. And what you said was assistant director, Jennifer Moore subpoenaed for a transcribed interview with the judiciary committee. And that's happening today, right? That's today's thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be for today. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pull up some of the stuff you showed. So some of the, the uh, visuals that you attached on there were a, uh, sort of security division wellness program. We can talk about that in a second. There's this happiness seminar that I know you just put out. I want you to kind of uh, touch on those, the, uh, the wellness room and the relaxation room that was happening, which I think was in Newark. And then there was some other things that needed to be talked about with the FBI pilots. I'm going to just give you free reign. And, um, I want you to just, just full send, what is your what is your message that you hope the Judiciary Committee is going to cover with our buddy uh, Drunk Jenny, a.k.a. Jennifer Moore, who may or may not be a drunk who's come into the office drunk? Possibly. Well, she's under subpoena now because she's already uh, gone to do a transcript interview and refused to cooperate. So and she she tried to hide behind. I can't comment on ongoing investigations, which is kind of weird because she heads up human resources and I don't think they do investigations. And then she tried to hide behind the Privacy Act, which specifically spells out that you're allowed to speak to Congress about these matters. So clearly her knowledge of human resources uh, in the Privacy Act is, is not there. But that's not really a surprise. She doesn't have any background from what I can tell in human resources. In fact, uh, yeah, Tracy Beans any- was talking about that. She she had done some digging and, you know, she has a background in marketing or something to that effect. And then. And then 20-something years in the FBI, not having touched a case in how long? 15 years? 2005. 2005 was the last time she was a quote-unquote investigator. So that's almost really, two decades. Yeah, that's a really long time. Um, but that's she, about that's standard for executive management, right? They're not getting involved in this stuff. Yeah, I mean, well, she came in in like the mid-90s as a not-agent, as a professional staffer. So she's gotten almost 30 years in the FBI. And for 30 years, having six years of investigative experience seems like kind of... Uh, kind of what you'd expect. Yeah, kind of what you expect from leadership. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I, I continue to tell people it's it's management, it's not leadership. Uh, there's no, right. there is no FBI leadership. The leadership actually happens at the ground level. It's agent to agent. It's peer to peer. It's sometimes supervisors, although it's less and less common. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, never in the eight years that I was doing investigations did I come up across a question in a case or look for some sage wisdom that I think well, I'm going to go to my special agent in charge and think what they would do to work this case. Yeah, I who just do you, who do you go. go to when, when you're when you're looking around, you're like, OK, I'm working this thing. Who knows what's going on? Who do you go to? Uh, there's just like the OG guy in whatever squad that works that particular violation. Never and, promoted. You know, everybody knows him. Yeah, never been promoted, been working it for 20 years. He's got all the institutional knowledge. And I mean, I've sat down with that guy and uh, and said like, hey, look, I have this interview coming up with this guy. He, he might have shot this gun at some people. And he said, all right, this is what's going to happen. You're going to ask him this. He's going to say that. You're going to ask him this. He's going to say that. And then you're going to ask him this, and then he's going to confess. They're going to give it to you. They, they, they spoon feed you because they've done this game, and they've done it over and over again. Um, we yes. shouldn't be talking about uh, Hitman, apparently, because uh, Jigsaw Massacre in the chat was just saying, uh, Hitman for hire. will travel. will hit for food. Never uh, never uh, underestimate the stupidity of the FBI to actually look at our chat and see that. But I do think that's that's about uh, – that'll be their next big case. So luckily, we've yeah. got that going on. Um, we have to disavow. Yeah, full disavowal. You did uh, you did some coverage of some of the stuff that we thought that obviously it's underneath Jenny Moore's division. I'm looking over at the screen of uh, the uh, the 
tweets you did. Talk to me about where that came from so people have a background of it. And then also you can pump your Twitter account because a lot of this stuff gets broken on your Twitter account and then apparently stifled. You've got you always like to joke there's a Twitter sensor at the FBI that uh, only works during weekdays and shuts you down. Sure, sir. He's putting out another embarrassing tweet for us. That's right. Shut it down. <laughs> so, so let's do the uh, the Sec D one first. This is sort of the National Walking Day, the yoga, the things that you'd like seeing to discuss there. What does that all look like? Yeah, well, that came out uh, a couple weeks ago um, from somebody within the actual uh, security division, uh, and that was going to be lunchtime uh, throughout the month of April and May. They were going to have these like thirty minute sessions where they could go for long walks or do chair yoga. Uh, coloring with crayons or painting lessons, and that was supposed to facilitate a more positive work environment. Um, Have we seen chair yoga? Have you done any research into that? I feel like that's up your alley. Not that you would do it, but (laughs) that you would do the research on it. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all about fitness here, but uh, I don't like riding a bike because I feel like I sit down. So (laughs) I'm, I'm the standing desk guy. I was that obnoxious guy who just never sits. So that to me just spoke of, you can't get people to show up to lunch to do yoga because that's too physically draining. So if we let them bring their wheelie chair in though, they might show up because we're worried about attendance at this event, which we obviously use taxpayer dollars for. Uh, and we want to promote within the security division because we want to create this Silicon Valley-esque style workspace uh, that uh, we can all celebrate. That That's uh, really it, too, though. You're, you, I think you nailed it. It's it's a Silicon Valley. It's the modern workforce thing. They're trying to accommodate the workspace for the future workforce of people, many of whom are kind of gentle. Um, did you know I used, actually used to sell the chairs that the FBI, not the specific ones the FBI bought on that contract, but I used to sell the actual model and brand of chairs the, the bureau, <laughs> does that surprise you at all? You're the Renaissance man. I, my goal is to one day have a life experience that you didn't actually either involve yourself in selling that equipment or uh, be an instructor certified at multiple <laughs> levels advanced on. I need to hear about how you got the X chairs. I didn't, I've never done any X chairs, but so those chairs are all called, uh, they're human scale freedom chairs. And uh, that's what they're actually called. And the freedom chair is designed for freedom of movement. They were designed by a guy named Niles Different, who is a uh, very famous industrial designer, actually, of all things. And they're really good chairs. I mean, they're, they're the bureau probably pays somewhere in the $500 per chair range. Like if you were going to go buy one of those things on your own, they're close to a thousand bucks. They're a good chair. And, you know, of course, the bureau doesn't maintain them, even though they have a lifetime warranty. They're actually made in the U.S., Piscataway, New Jersey. I still all remember this stuff. This is all from like 2005. That's when I used to work there. So just the last time Jennifer Moore, Jennifer Moore worked a case, worked a case I was selling uh, furniture to Silicon Valley types. Honestly, we would go and, and hit tech companies and things like that. And they're an ergonomic office chair. And then the, the high back ones that you see, those are, they're not for executives. They're for people who need neck support that do a lot of typing. They're actually for the people that are doing the real work, <laughs> which makes sense, right? Because you saw the high back and they'd be like, oh, I'm an executive. I need that. It's like, no, you don't. Yeah. You're not even yeah. in your well, chair. You're not even working. I don't even know what you're doing. I mean, my favorite was when they pushed hard for the the standing desks, which I actually, I mean, I used, I, th- I thought was good, um, but that you get people that would fight and get online ahead of you to get the standing desk. So I was one of the last people to actually get one. And then I would walk around the office in my headquarters and I'd see them all with standing desks and they'd be lowered to the lowest possible setting so they could sit on their chair. And then they'd be really mm-hmm. awkwardly doing it. Yeah. Most people should be sitting in a task chair. There's a whole lecture about this. I used to do this for a living, as I said. So I would go in there and everybody wanted the standing chair because that was the new hot thing or the standing desk. Um, but a, a variable desk is not practical for most people for most situations they don't actually have that problem sitting is actually really good it just has to be done correctly and so there's ways you can mitigate all that um chair yoga obviously a disappointment what's the happiness seminar i've got that i'm gonna i'm gonna bring it up real quick um what is a happiness seminar what in the world uh, why do they <laughs> why do they share this who shared it and and why oh man so so multiple uh moles of mine came out with this and they said this was on the uh the, the green side, it was within the SharePoint uh, uh, unclassified system that the FBI has, and it was being promoted that I guess this is a headquarters event that uh, was going to be multiple parts. I think it was going to be two different sessions that they wanted to do, too. They want to get as many bodies as they could through it. And in different parts, they're going to talk about the effects of smiling, um, good words, and doing good, good w- deeds. Wait, hold on, good words? Good, good words. Yeah, apparently... <laughs> Vocabulary. Tell me some good words. Give me. Are they are they long? Are they like onomatopoeia? And people go like, "Oh, that is a good word." No, they would have said SAT words then, which is probably racist. Correct. Well, that's that's true. It is it is biased. D D in the chat wanted to know how happy can one get in a half hour class on happiness. What do you think? Any any ideas? 
uh, I mean, did they crack into the evidence drug drug <laughs> evidence unit? <laughs> did, we did have that. That guy was actually out of Washington field office. Did you know that? Uh, yes. Yeah, that was the one that was in his car, right? Um, he was taking he was taking heroin essentially out of there. He had got yeah. hooked on pills from some injury, like a lot of people do, and then he decided he was had a ready access, so he was signing other people's name to um, you know, to this whole evidence locker scandal and so all these people got investigated as potentially in being involved and the cameras you know proved that they were innocent but it took years and so all their stuff was kind of under review they weren't able to do anything and one of those guys was a friend of mine he sat in my he was so disillusioned with the fbi of course now he's a supervisor so i'm sure he's fine that actually similarly happened to a buddy of mine when he was a brand new agent his training agent was um using his forging his signature on source payments and just pocketing the money whoa yeah so he was a brand new on probation gets called in sac needs to see you and they're like well, you know what is this and he's just basically said well, that's not my signature no way yeah yeah so he that's that and he explained that to me he's like yeah just they called them my, they figured it out they called my training agent in and then like they kind of concocted a way to like not have his gun on him and just so they could just grab him up wow yeah that's terrible. That's really a bad. Yeah. That, what a what an awful experience. Uh, we 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 know so many bad stories about the way people just deal dealt with really really awful stuff within the the bureau, um, and so it leads you to be distrustful of both the FBI and then also of your colleagues. There's this sort of mistrust going left and right. You know, you, we have people reach out to us that always want to like vet us, even though like we're out in the public saying what we say. Like you could vet me pretty easily. You could vet you. Go watch your your Fox News interviews. Go watch what you've said on Newsmax. Uh, you've said it on a national forum. Somebody was uh, accusing, you know, me and I'm sure they've accused you of being like an FBI op. And you had the funniest uh, comment about that the other day when we were privately chatting about it. What do you think about us being an FBI op? I'm like the worst op ever. I mean, I, I'm just it, I mean, I, I was accused of being like a simp for Russia because I was uh, sort I was told that I was on a whistleblower show. And did a my full content, my spiel, revealed everything that I've been saying. If you've looked at it, you don't see one difference from one interview to the next. And then, you know, that program sold itself to RT. Right. Of so course. then I was called a, a, a Russia Today uh, simp. And I'm like, did you watch the, the content? Because that's sort of revelatory of where I stand on things. I'm the one that brought out the, the OPR files. So... I, I yeah, mean, you aired, I guess, you literally aired perfect. dirty laundry and embarrassed the bureau. Somebody was saying, and and here's why I think it was funny. I think it might have been Garrett that said it. He was just like, um, the FBI would not be capable of running an op as as good as Kyle is if that was the case, because you can't bring that kind of genuine uh, disgust for the agency and actually still work for the agency. Correct. I mean, well, I mean, I I might be the perfect FBI op because it would be run so poorly that they would wind up revealing the OPR files to the news media through their CHS. <laughs> Unlike the CHSs, apparently they were going through Congress. Right. Um, I'm going to bring up the um, <laughs> this article that happened. So this was something that was in the uh, the Daily Caller, and this was, was brought to our attention. This says, exclusive, it's time to clean house. Former senior FBI agents blast the politicization of the Bureau. I think that's relevant to this, this hearing that's coming up. And then we've this is the kind of the piece that I took away from it. I'm going to read it out to you. Just folks, if you're seeing, we're, we're running through this on the um, running through this on the rumble video. There's a, an entire article. You're welcome to go read it. But one of the things that I thought was most relevant, the most important thing is they said they identified with uh, Nikki Parker's claims. The FBI has become politically weaponized. We observed firsthand that too many FBI current agents, too many FBI current agents, that's a really way to say it, are suffering from low morale. Uh, Americans have lost trust. They show some of these other sort of things. But uh, they, they tagged you and George Hill and Garrett O'Boyle. And, um, and you know, so they've got a couple of these little pieces. But they said that they didn't want to be they didn't want to be exposed because they were fearing retribution, even though they're supposedly senior former agents. Um, you had a different take on this, whether this was actually former agents or what did you think it might be current agents doing running an op yeah i mean i you and i both have some networks of former agents and i reached out to mine and, and was just kind of like hey is this you because you know that's yeah i, I guess thank you I, I guess i but i was kind of you there's no risk to you if you're out of the agency so why wouldn't you reveal your name and um that seems like sort of a, an anonymously source report that's not really revealing any new information being run through um, a news source to me was just, it just didn't pass the smell test. And then even just reading the statement about the, the state, the low morale state uh, within the current 
agents, well, how would you know that you're retired? So uh, how are you commenting on current morale state? So, I mean, it just makes me a little bit suspicious that this could be an effort to to get out there and 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 then sell you that reputation another way because then you know once you know it the rubber band snaps back and then they they pull the move that uh, your fr- your friend Nance does and goes from praising you to condemning you within you know a couple weeks. The only time I think about John Nance is when somebody mentions John Nance to me, and it's not that frequently. So thanks for bringing that up, um, <laughs> people. If you read Town Hall, you'll have seen some hit pieces on me, which is sort of hilarious. You've also, if you followed Dan Bongino, you've heard him uh, lambast this guy. And uh, so he was a former supervisor of mine. And I, I tried not to bring him up because I just don't, I don't really care. And I'm not trying to get into a pissing contest with people that are former agents. You know, he and I didn't have any beef when we worked together. So the fact that he sort of has a jealousy over my Twitter account or the fact that I'm doing a, a podcast is sort of embarrassing. He walked out with his pension and, uh, you know, that's, that's the nature of why the FBI is the way it is right now. It's a bunch of people that knew what was wrong and they stuck around to get their pension. And then, um, then what, then, then they want to call out people that did something that has nothing to do with them. Uh, kind of bizarre. You, you had a thought on that. I could tell, <laughs> I could see, I, I can see it on your face. It's just the, 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 the retired agents, um, I think are the ones I've spoken to, you know, they're first, they're loath to sort of condemn the guys behind them. It's sort of like the, the old the tradition of the, once you leave, you're the president, you don't bad mouth the president, the current president, you just kind of fade off into the sunset. I, I think though, that those days are going to have to go away. I think that they're going to come around to the understanding that they're, if they're even their silence on what's been going on for the agency um, since their departure it is, is going to be essentially complicit in its continuing. They have to speak out at this point. And it's unfortunate that they're put in that situation. I mean, look, you did your services, your 20, 30 years, you should be able to just enjoy your retirement. Uh, but unfortunately, there's the entire agency's leadership or management class is populated by these political actors now that are just tarnishing everything that you built your entire career on. Um, and I don't know about you, but if, you know, if I, if I'd done that, if I'd been the guys that were bringing in these big cases and had built the reputation up for the FBI, I'd be pretty PO'd um, if it was just now, it's the agency going after Mark Hulk and, uh, and and chasing misdemeanor crimes because they're politically convenient. Yeah, I'd be pissed. There's no reason. Yeah. Like, I am pissed. I'm pissed because they took something that could have been really great. It could have been one of the great jobs. And they screwed it up. And they screwed it up for the people that used to be there. Because some of those guys are out there using that reputation to get jobs. And I know that's kind of why they're trying to they're trying to hide from from calling it out. But at this point, if you're not on the side calling it out, then you're complicit in the problem. It feels like that's that's my take on it. Um, I suspect you have a similar sense. Yeah, I mean, and I think you were calling the FBI like a trans a- agency. It is. Um, it, it's having a Bud Light moment. It's it's becoming this cultural phenomenon where it used to be <laughs> this point is, this break is your tweet was of the awesome. Day. You're, 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 yeah, you're having your tweet of the day, though. The FBI is having a Bud Light moment is, uh, is. we could have actually we could have actually called this entire show that. Correct. Why not? Just change the title. Uh, the uh, yeah, they are. That's what's happened to Bud Light. I mean, I saw that Babylon B thing where it was like two uh, frat bros drinking Cosmopolitans tease their brother for drinking a Bud Light. And <laughs> I have not seen that yet. That's good. <laughs> and I think that the FBI is having that moment where it's gone from point break which is one of the guys in my academy class said, that's the only reason I applied to be in the FBI. That's what I named my son after. Did you know that? (laughs) Johnny Utah? No, 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 no. (laughs) I was already against the FBI by the time I had my kid. And and he's he's over too. So I named my kid Bodie. Oh, all right. Huh? Because he got away. Respect, respect. People ask me that. They're like, why did you? They're They're like, where does that name come from? And I was like, oh, it comes from Point Break. And they're like, I don't remember Bodie. I'm like, yeah, you do. That's Kurt Russell's character. Um, Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze. Why did I call him Kurt Russell? I don't know. I always mix those guys up in my head. Uh, yeah, it's Patrick Swayze's character, and he gets away, right? At the end of it, he yeah. via condiosis, he slips his way off into oblivion, and uh, That's right. and, and he wins. And and I always yeah. figured, like, getting away from the FBI, winning, you know, that's that's sort of the and goal. And he was wearing the Reagan mask, too, right? Yeah, he was. So, yeah, he was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you have that cultural moment, you know, where that's that's the utmost FBI is awesome, cool guy job. It was to 
you know, w- what it is now where and, we have the, remember, the class of 09. Nick, Nick Nolte was in there, right? Nick Nolte <laughs> yes, was the guy that you go was, to ask for all the information. He was, he was, yeah. he was at, that was, as, that was as accurate as it gets. New, fresh, yes. young blood who knows nothing. Nick Nolte, who's like salty, banging on the roof of his car as he drives out, like has to go get yep. a guy out of a fight because he doesn't want to be in the fight. All of that yes. stuff. That's perfectly pure. They actually, it's not very realistic in many ways, but those characters were legit. That typecast is legit. I mean, that guy who's like, you know, I got to be in his bonnet about this one case and everybody's teasing him. He's like, no, I'm right. I've been doing this long enough. I've been doing this since you were in diapers. I know this, this is, these are the guys. And and because I've built this evidence up and then he's on surveillance and leaves because he's hungry at like 1030 and wants a burrito. I I I had a guy, I had an agent who had 20, almost 20 years in, she was getting ready to retire. And we went out and did surveillance on a subject that, um, I ended up arresting him later, but we were sitting on his, on his house. He basically had just skipped out the minute before we had gotten there. So we knocked on the door, wasn't there. Is he going to be back? We don't know. Talk to the manager. It was in an RV park of all places. And so then we set up on surveillance and I, and we were there for four or five hours. Uh, you know, nothing exceptional. I used to do this for a living. I used to spend eight, 10 hours. That was no big deal. So sitting for, for four or five hours is kind of just like, that's a chill moment. And I had another guy in the car with me, which is never the case. So we were, we were doubled up in two different vehicles. It was an arrest package that didn't, you know, didn't end up being an arrest. And, uh, she radios over, like, are we almost done yet? And I'm like, one, this is your case. That's very funny. So we're done whenever you say so. But two, I'm not going to call it like one, I'm not the team leader. And two, we just got started. And when we left, she said, that's the longest I've ever done surveillance in my entire career. (laughs) so bad it's exactly oh. what you expect though they don't want to do it like they're salty they're they don't care they did it old school they just we'll get them another day it was a classic you know fbi move and anyway i don't i don't want to do point break too far i do want to <laughs> unless you have a closing thought on point break which is great no just just epic moment johnny utah this is fortunate unfortunate that uh you know his career never panned out in the nfl Correct. Yeah, I wish he would have. One of my kids' name, uh, one of my buddy's kids' name is Johnny. So Johnny and Bodie can get together and, and you know destroy things, maybe take banks down. Um, I'm going to put up this here. So in the Daily Caller, they linked from my name. The hyperlink from my name actually goes to another article that they wrote, the FBI to retract the Catholic infiltration memo. I actually like Catholic infiltration better than the radical traditionalist Catholic memo. Um, and for some reason, they and you've seen the the picture before, Steve, but they've got the FBI agents in the ray jackets and it says private road, no through traffic. I don't know where they got that shot, but it's kind of great. Anyway, it's a whole piece about uh, sort of the Catholic situation. They have another one here that they link through that showed that, uh, you know, I exposed and you and I have talked about the LGBT Biden bias training that's going on. So Daily Caller's done some pretty good work calling out the FBI. Uh, and that that actually goes back to December of last year. Some of this stuff is a little bit older. Um, end of the day. You know, the FBI targeting Catholics and doing this sort of piece, I I feel like it's like a national trend right now. It's not just even the FBI. Um, I know you're not a Catholic, but you're Catholic adjacent in many ways. Isn't that true? Sure. Will you tell tell people what your connection is? Everybody that I keep running into has this like Catholic adjacent position. And and that's why I I actually feel like it's really good. Um, The sponsor that we picked up, like they do mean Catholic. It actually means universal. It's not a um, and, and that was the idea that it was named that way. It's the universal, you know, Christian church, except it's the universal Catholic church because Catholic means universal. Anyway, it doesn't make a difference. <laughs> That's what the word is supposed to mean. And and all of us, like all the suspendables seem to have some connection to it. Yeah. Yeah. So my mom side of the family, she's it's she and three brothers, uh, all the siblings and my mom all married Catholics um, and they come from a Jewish family. So <laughs> Uh, there's and all my cousins were one side Jewish, one side Catholic. Uh, I went to Notre Dame. My dad went to Notre Dame. So, I, um, so I think sort I of probably a Catholic famous Catholic university. I mean, up there, it's, it's almost Jesuit at this point. But when I was there back yeah. way back when in the early aughts, um, they still had sort of, uh, held to traditional values. And I'm, I'm was, uh, actually a resident, uh, assistant in my dorm as a senior and we were, had to go to mass. So, I mean, I, I've been to mass a ton of times um and you know it was it was great it wasn't exclusive and it wasn't um anti-lgbtqia and it didn't uh promote any white supremacy are you feeling any of those sort of notions from your time being exposed (laughs) no no it didn't um i think the uh at at that time actually the the most controversial thing that uh, the the priest that ran our dormitory talked about was he said he didn't like oprah because she encouraged just general spirituality as opposed to you know, an actual religious denomination. And right. at the time I kind of rolled my eyes like, man, he's, he's hardcore. But now I'm like, 
Yeah, maybe Father V was onto something. Father, Father, I think Father, Father v, v was onto something. There's yeah, something very, he, very specific and strange about the idea that you're going to, um, you're, you're, we got really gentle in this country. It's the the old hard times, hard men, right? Uh, good times, soft men idea. We we went to that um, good times, and everybody was like, "Oh yeah, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual." Daniel Tosh, who is by no means, uh, you know, he probably has a Christian background, but he has he doesn't espouse any Christian values in any of his his. Um, comedy, he roasts people that say like, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And that was something that I think you and I grew up in. That was a big nineties thing. And I think that was actually some of the transition there. So when you start doing that stuff, you go like, oh, that's, that's how we lost it. We lost the thread when people started doing this Oprah spirituality, this general, like I would call it woo woo. I don't know other, any other way it's, there are actually tenants to religion on purpose. You have to actually have a, just being a quote unquote spiritual person means almost nothing to me. It, it means that you're just lying. Yeah. I, I was just reading um, this Return of the Strong Gods uh, book that's was I don't, written. I don't know what that is, but I love the way that sounds. That sounds strange. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it, it's basically an, a full philosophical argument sort of with the point you're making where it was, it's like a post-World War II thought that just infiltrated across the political spectrum, left and right. They all sort of digested it and pushed out that, it was devotion to you know a, a, this authoritarianism was in order to prevent uh, a Nazi-esque or a Soviet I mean, something from fascist state from arising. We all just have to be like radically independent and shirk anything that could unite us. And unfortunately, now you know that that's the, the church has taken on that. Well, if you you're you're a radical nationalist, you're a radical Christian nationalist, and that's and because of that, you know, we're just being pushed into. Uh, being spiritual rather than religious. So they're they're actually um, they're, there's a strong position on the left trying to replace the G in God with the G from government. I think, and I think you and I have experienced some of that. I want to bring up an article real quick here, and um, and this thing is is unrelated to anything that you and I are involved in, but I think we're all part of this fight. Uh, if you're watching on Rumble, you can see this. The article's from the Post Millennial. That's Andy Noe's outfit. It says parents of Catholic students who spoke out against gender neutral bathrooms in Ontario schools. So this is Canada. It's not U.S. Um, is being put on leave from teaching positions. So the parents of this kid who did what I would say is the right thing, doesn't want to be involved in a gender-neutral bathroom situation. Um, he's wearing a Make America Great Again hat, it looks like, in this picture. And uh, <laughs> essentially, his his folks have been removed from their jobs, and that's kind of the nature of the beast right now. It's like if you do something, then everybody who's near you is going to be accountable for it. And uh, he's a 17-year-old kid who went to a, a Catholic high school, of all places, and yet still, the sort of secular tolerance movement has been able to to cancel his parents. And they cancel them. And I, I just think there's so many, whether you're a Catholic or Catholic adjacent, and many of you who are just, uh, you know, any denomination of Christian are Catholic adjacent. In fact, that's the person who brought me that uh, that radical traditionalist Catholic document, also Catholic adjacent, which is to say a, a Christian at large. Um, it's seriously dangerous stuff. And then you know, the, the leftist government has to push it. Otherwise, otherwise they lose. What's scary is that it seems like everything that starts now in Canada eventually finds itself in California, which eventually finds itself around the country because that's that's the bleeding edge of the, the political left in our country. I do think it's sort of funny that the guy from Canada is wearing a MAGA hat. <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious. Yeah. There, and in fact, a lot of the people that follow me on, on the different social media platforms are, they claim that they're MAGA people and yet they're not, they're not American by yeah. their lead. Whereas our side here is can't rock the Ukrainian flag enough. It doesn't matter what political party. It's just everybody's got a lapel pin with the Ukraine flag. And I say that with my, my better half coming from that country. Yeah, I, um, I spoke with your wife a, a little bit ago who didn't want to get on camera because she was apparently sweaty. But but she's from Ukraine. Like you, if anybody yeah. in the world should be, you know, pumping the Ukraine flag, it's a, it's a family that has ancestry and or a place of birth that that is in common with that flag and uh and that's not that doesn't sound like oh, you got an american flag behind you yeah yeah i mean and, and you know, look she's she's not as you know in the know on the current events of the day but i think her worldview is technically you know we're kind of overlap pretty well which is why we're married uh but you know, she recognizes the fact that you know she lives in this country now and moved here when she was a teenager and so she can still remember being in ukraine and obviously has fondness for family and friends and, and that sort of thing that we all have regardless of where you grew up in life you, you have that but i mean we've had moments where we were very early in our relationship going in our marriage going grocery shopping and i remember getting up bananas 
um, at the, at, and like putting them in the, in the cart. And she was like, had this moment of flashback. She said, I remember my mom used to just save and save and save to buy one banana. Wow. And we would share that banana together. And it was like this, I was like, they're 88 cents. Well, at the time before inflation, they were like 88 cents for a dozen of them. Yeah, for and a I pound. Like, yeah, like you, you want more bananas? I, mean, I, didn't know, I didn't know how to react. I've never dealt with that. That's right. Because I've lived in this country. Um, but, you know, she recognizes that. And I think she's she's all about, you know, this country now as far you know, she has family and friends back there that she's worried about. But as far as the, the politics of it, nope, no, not all about it. Yeah. Um, Scott in the chat says that you don't have to thump a Bible to be a good person. I think you and I could both agree on that. In fact, some of the best people I know do not thump a Bible at all. They never want to bring it up. I think what's really important is not that you thump a Bible, it's that you live according to it. That actually used to be the standard in this country. Nobody ever talked about religion. I never heard about it when I was a kid. It was just assumed that you had some religion, and the people who didn't live based on it seemed like the least happy. It also seems like the people that are maybe not thumping the Bible, but the nicest people that I know tend to be very religious. Um, I, and even people that you know are part of a religion I'm not real crazy about, like, like things that, people who are Mormons, you know, you don't have to like what the Mormons say as far as their spirituality, but man, you can, you'd have a hard time finding like an everyday Mormon person, especially guys like I met in the bureau that are not like the nicest people. They are the nicest yeah. people. They are living their values out and they, you know, they have kids and they take care of their family. Uh, that's not to say there's not bad Mormons. I'm sure there are, but uh, maybe well, church I, leadership everywhere is, is sketchy. I, I mean, I'm a big proponent of like, follow the the best practices so if you want to like have six-pack abs you should do you know the workout that chris hemsworth does um like you should do that if you want to be i want to do that i'm gonna should, start doing that yeah <laughs> you should you know do the the what the rich people do in their life and as much as you can and if you want to be happy or like you seem to be like a really good person uh what is like the commonality that they have and and they're all like well yeah we can meet you on sunday afternoon because we're in church sunday morning that just seems to be almost universal. Um, so I, it's not saying like you got to thump a Bible, but like why, why not give it a shot? I mean, they 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 seem to have their ducks in a row. Um, I think it's probably probably worth even just emulating, fake it till you make it. Maybe that's that's true. And and so as an example of making it, and and I know you folks, you know, you you read your kids' patriotic documents that you guys are uh, you know devout human beings, but it's not something that you go everywhere with. Um, I want to just kind of comment this out. Will Etch in the chat said, "Mr. Friend, the NASCAR photo with your son with ear protectors being a mini you was amazing. Your kids look super happy. NASCAR decided to to use you guys as an example. They probably didn't know who you were, which is even funnier. No. Um, but but I think that is the example. It's like go out with your kids, you know, demonstrate." your good values and then people will either want to emulate those and they'll find out what you're about and you know this is every, everybody knows who watches the show this is not a religious show but it is more and more becoming one of those things in this country where we can't ignore that there is a tax on religion and if you care about american values this country was founded on freedom of religion it's very important to me it's strange to be in that fight because I, I didn't pick that fight and i don't think you necessarily would have picked that fight in fact I'm more than happy to defend atheists. I'm more than happy to defend people who are Nazis that that should have the right to protest. I'm going to debunk them the way you and I did in that Twitter space the other day. I'm going to go after and crush the the you know, the stupid arguments of white supremacists. But I still think you have the right to say it, and that comes from a sort of the founding documents in this country, which are fundamentally a Christian position. It's it's weird to be in kind of a fight where we have to we have to argue both sides because of the way that our oath works, and yet. No one had a problem with it for, you know, 100 plus years doing it the right way. I'd say post-Civil War, right? No, no, no problem with it at all. I mean, look, we all recognize like the, the Mayflower was real. I mean, they might not teach it in school anymore with the CRT, but those guys left Europe, an established continent, to just go into the wilderness because they wanted to worship the way they wanted right. that much. I mean, that's that you want to talk about bravery. Like people would say like, oh, you're a brave whistleblower. I'm like, man, I wasn't on the Mayflower. Are you kidding me? Right. You knowing that you're going to look at your family and say like, well, probably half of our children are not going to survive this trip, but we still need to do it. Right. It's amazing. It's, it's insane. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, I'm going to pivot a little bit towards something else that's been going on. This is a, a tweet that I have up from Jilly Kelly. I think this is also something to be, um, we talked about operations maybe being run. Uh, Julie Kelly tweeted out something and said, this, there's something really, really shady about this kid. There's a guy named Derek Myers right now, and I'll, I'll give you the background on it in case you haven't seen it. Um, he wrote, I can publicly, conf 
publicly confirm during my brief time in the congressman's office that I secretly met with agents from the FBI in an effort to work as a confidential informant and human asset against the congressman during my course of employment in his office. This is the kid. Uh, he, so his name is, like I said, his name is Derek Myers. He's got a um, the White House lit up with the rainbow flag um, on his profile. That's his profile background picture. So I, I don't know if he's gay or if he just likes the idea of the gay lighting that they did. But what's very strange to me, and and also it's probably news to a lot of people, he mentions that he was trying to work as a human source while working. The congressman he's mentioning is uh, is uh, George Santos. So I'm going to pull up a, 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 um, a CNN article real quick here. Folks, if you're watching, you can see it says exclusive representative George Santos is charged by the Justice Department in a federal probe that came out yesterday. And as of this morning, there's Santos right there. As of this morning, they're supposed to be reading sort of the unsealed indictments. Um, and he's supposed to be, uh, what, arraigned in there. They're going to be bringing him up, I think, in Brooklyn. It says, uh, yeah, Brooklyn uh, U.S. Attorney's Office is going to. Uh, unveil this. This is the New York's Eastern District. It was where they did the charges. And so anyway, so here's there's George Santos again. Um, what are your thoughts about recruiting sources inside of a congressman's office or a journalist claiming that he actively sought out to be an FBI informant while working there? A uh, couple of thoughts. It, it's extremely disturbing that you know, elected official. That this is this is back to find me the man and I'll find you the crime. Obviously, George Santos has you know he's been in the media. He's like this outwardly known. He lied on his record to get in order to get elected, and it's it's certainly something that's embarrassing for that district. And that's something that we that but it's something that everybody can think. Well, that guy's a jerk. So yeah, we should probably get uh, get rid of him any way necessary. And that's cracked the door open for using these tools. So we're going to find the example that a broad swath of Americans will look at and say like, okay, it's probably a good thing that we got rid of that open liar uh, who's just flaunting it in our face any way that we can. Um, meanwhile, now the FBI has a standard operating procedure where they can use CHS as confidential human sources inside other congressmen and senators' offices uh, because there's a roadmap for it, and now that precedent has been set. And uh, I'm told that that's been going on for a long time. Sure, that, but, but, but leading to charges is you know where we're just going to hourly target. You know what's what's to stop you, them from doing that to you know anybody else. I, I wonder if it's better that there actually are charges that are actually indictable, although it's in it's in New York. So um, you know New York is one of those softer seats. Uh, generally, Southern District of New York seems like it's a real easy thing, but uh, Eastern District maybe as well. It's certainly not going to be as hard uh, to go after a George Santos. Here, here's my concern: at least if there's charges, we have some we have some transparency and we can evaluate it. A lot of the people that I've been talking to, and I've talked to a number of intelligence analysts who told me reading source information from inside members of Congress's office offices is common which scares the hell out of me because when I was actually working for Washington Field, one of the things they told us was is that you needed special permission from Congress to recruit sources inside of Congress. That was the way it was briefed to me. I, I may have misunderstood what was said, but it was my understanding that we could not actively go after and get congressional sources. And then if they're doing it for intelligence purposes, you and I both know how dangerous that can be. You know, they don't need to ever come to a criminal predicate in that case. They Correct. can just run it forever. They could that's and that's why the intelligence apparatus needs to be completely dismantled from from the FBI, take it away from it entirely. It's you know it's being used for something like this where yeah they just that they just have to have an intelligence case open. There's not a potential for a crime. We're just gathering information, right? And we could have you know and and we see the information get leaked all the time. So who's to say that they're not providing this you know this strategizing that's going on, you know, with whatever, whatever issue that the congressperson is dealing with uh, to a political rival so that they can kind of figure out, you know, how to combat it. So I, there's no doubt that that's happening. Um, but I, I was this you, you talked about this, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago on a podcast, and it was something that uh, came to mind where it was positioning sources inside of mosques. And I think with the intelligence apparatus, the way it is, and the way that human sources are dealt with, it, there's the pressure to just have these sources in place so that should you need to activate them at any time, you know, then they're available. And with a lot of mosques or now probably Catholic parishes, nothing nefarious is going on there, um, but they have to justify having the source there eventually when the review period comes up to, to say they have something. And that's when you have these entrapment schemes, you know, happen that Trevor Aronson's talked about where they pushed it or they wind up charging somebody with something that's not related to why you have the source there. We have, oh, we have the, 
a confidential human source inside a mosque because uh, they might be for strategic uh, providing mosque purposes. Mat material support to terrorism. Right. But uh, we're we're going to charge them with child porn Correct. because we need to justify the source being there. That's right. So with this, we're going to justify having the informant in a congressman's office, um, and we'll contrive something. And I'm sure that you know there'll be something weird that comes out of this Brooklyn district attorney or Brooklyn uh, uh, U.S. attorney's office, um, unless it's you know, something that I could be totally wrong. Maybe he was doing something. But if it was it occurred in Brooklyn, I, I don't know if it if it's happened since he was elected, because that would have been going on in D.C. Do you remember do you remember Bob Mendez? Um, I'm sorry, Menendez, yeah. right? From New Jersey, from New Jersey. I just pulled it up here <laughs> so people can see it. Um, this is from The New York Times. This is obviously no uh, no right leaning source. Says uh, Senator Robert Menendez faces a new federal investigation. Inquiry comes five years after the Justice Department dropped their corruption case against him. Uh, he was a New Jersey Democrat, and uh, there he is right there. So they actually indicted him on bribery charges, and then they let him go. Um, there's another one of them going against him in 2022. I don't know what that looks like. Um, on stuff like that, I, you know, corruption, bribery charges, I want to see those investigations. I don't want to see the FBI investigating, like, potential, you know, sexual... Um, what is it? Harassment type stuff like that seems yeah. way, way below it. But if you're but if you're a in a public trust position, especially if you're a senator or if you're elected official who isn't getting, you know, maybe you're like the Biden family who happens to be receiving a bunch of shady uh, payments from the Chinese and all, all of your family members are getting paid out like that sounds like something we should be doing investigations in as a country. We should be doing that. But I don't want to see someone like go like, oh, there's the man. As you mentioned, we're going to go find the crime on this guy. Uh, we're going to run it down. That seems like yeah. a like the the antithesis of what the FBI should be doing. Do you think that there's maybe because I have I have an alternative theory, but now that I'm thinking about this, that we're talking about it, that allegation that the source provided information that Joe Biden was accepting money uh, as vice president. Could that have just been a we're just going to put a strategic human source within the staff of the vice president and. You know, if he does commit something, then we'll then we'll take action. And then he did commit something. But then the people in place thought maybe we, 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 we better, better hide that. So yeah. Longino has maybe a, a more plausible theory, which is to say that this guy was actually probably reporting on something else. And it just came up during the source brief debrief. That's what I think. It, it's more likely that it, they, they touched a third rail on accident. And then once it's been disclosed because the source actually was an honest operator and had a bunch of information to share about something else, whatever that may have been. It could have been related to Charlie McGonigal or some of the other kind of weird stuff that was going on. Um, it could have been about Hunter. It could have been about you name it. There's a lot of different ways that you could do that. Um, but then it's like, well, now this person's made a credible allegation. And then so now we're screwed in this position. What do we do with it? It sounds like they buried it. it sounds like they shouldn't have buried it. it sounds like it's going to be coming out. There's going to be some, you know, um, some there's a subpoena already that's about it. But we're going to end up with that executive privilege game where they're going to say, well, it's an ongoing investigation and all the other reasons that we don't do it. So it's, it's strange. But, yeah, it's certainly possible that they put sources in there and and but. Is that even reasonable that we're putting sources into these governmental offices preemptively? No, no, I don't think it is. I mean, I think you have to give these guys the latitude. They're, they've essentially been vetted by the American electorate. I think you need to have some, at least a predicate to, to do some sort of investigation. You can't just preemptively do it. Um, and with that allegation, I think it's also plausible that maybe a good citizen came in with direct information about Biden doing something wrong and uh, thought a case was being opened and then whoever took it thought, I'll just open them up as a source and say that I admonished them as a source and that they're on the books as a source. And that individual might not even know that they're a source from the FBI. Indeed. Uh, I'm just looking through the chat. Who was, who just said that? Um, AVS man 36 said, I love that shirt, Kyle. I want one. Where'd you get it? Oh, that's cookie. Hey cookie. Um, so I got this from, from Garrett O'Boyle, my buddy, maybe we'll put these in the uh, suspendable store. I think you can go to the Kyle Seraphin store. No, what is that? The Kyle Seraphin show.com. We'll put a link in there. I'll, I'll tweet it out later on. Um, these are, these are, it was given to me. It was a gift. <laughs> Actually, uh, Garrett came not only to help me move all of my things from New Mexico to, uh, to Texas, but then he also brought me gifts, which is a, that's just the kind of guy he is, right? <laughs> Speaking of, of suspendables, it's a good tie in. Just a, a great dude. But yeah, this is a good looking shirt. It looks good on camera too. It's got the, the thin blue line on there. Uh, last yeah. line strength. His sub stack people can go to is, uh, is the last line on Substack. I believe it's the lastline.substack.com. And he writes something once a week. That's, that's actually very, very good. Have you been reading Garrett's stuff at all? Yeah. Yeah, I do. He's, I mean, I'm, I'm glad I got my book in, uh, before him because he's good. He's a good writer. Yeah, He's a serious writer. Um, yeah. 
plug your book for a minute here, and then I want to cover sort of something that's well. Look, before we plug your book, and and folks, the the book is actually in the uh, the show notes, so you can click through it. And Steve's book, we'll talk about it in just one more second. Um, I will look at getting these shows, and we had another vote here from Jenny Chang about about getting uh, this this shirt in the store. So Garrett may be amused that people want to see this and wear it. It's actually super comfortable too. This is a medium. It's a medium for me. I, I should wear a large, but I'm I'm wearing <laughs> what what is that that True Fit Classics video I keep seeing over and over again where the, like they're like you're not fat, you have a crappy shirt or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh yeah, I knew about that for a long time. You got to wear something that's tight across the chest and kind of looser in the belly. So you can V taper, man. It's so I can carry a gun for me. I I want the loose in the belly. So I don't, so I don't print all the time. Um, this, this last little piece I want to bring up here, because I think this actually is related to Substack. I think it's related to your book. Um, this says, uh, it's from our friends over at daily wire. This is Ryan Savedra reporting on it. As of today, no, as of yesterday, it says Elon Musk re- released a statement about Tucker Carlson's new show on Twitter. We have not signed a deal. And uh, if you're watching, you can see they've got a picture of Elon Musk. He's wearing a silly hat. I, I sort of love Elon, but I also don't know if I trust him, but who cares? Uh, end of the day, he's doing things that are, I think, a net net good for, for the American people. He said that uh, Tucker's show will be subject to community notes like anything else that's on Twitter, which is actually really funny. But uh, what we did see was Tucker Carlson got out and said that, um, you know, that we're in a a world that is full of lies. There are only a few places where you can speak the truth. I'm going to bring us back up here and that um, they're going to do a show and they're going to do the show that they've always done. Look, Twitter, uh, you know, is a great place to to move things around. And more importantly, it's a place where free speech is, is now finally tolerated. And, you know, when you've got his audience on Fox was a couple of million, it was like 3 million. His audience on, on Twitter is 6.9 million. He has the potential of actually reaching more people through Twitter because there's plenty of people who don't have Fox. Like I don't have access to Fox. I don't know if you do or not on a regular basis. No, I don't. So nope. it's, it, it opens him up to a bigger space and it, it's kind of amazing that we're in a place where places like Substack, places like Twitter are opened up and it does provide an, a unique opportunity to shed more light in places that were never there before. Um, any any kind of concerns or thoughts about Tucker taking his show onto the uh, into the Twitter space? Uh, I, mean, I think it's good. I mean, I think that you just it's like anybody. It's like you. It's like me. It's like anybody that want has a message and there's an audience for that message. Um, I, I think that Twitter's probably going to be uh, good for them to, to put it out there. Uh, hopefully, you know, he doesn't have the same censors that <laughs> that I have. Um, but I think my entire experience since becoming a little more public person um, is I didn't realize how narrow casting worked, even within, you know, uh, you would think, oh, conservative media or liberal media. You would think, oh, well, that's that's Fox News. That, that means uh, Sean Hannity and uh, Bill O'Reilly. And, and But then I've been introduced and I know you've been introduced to all these shows that are out there that have sizable audiences and devoted audiences yep. and um i've been able to talk to those people who i didn't even know existed so i give you know latitude when when people come to me and say well, well i've seen your name before but i don't know your story right um and i think that that's just shows how many people are out there and how the internet can be just this tool for for good for information um and and provide opportunity to to you know share as to as many people as possible, which is why a lot of times I feel like I'm a broken record. I'm telling the, the same story, but a lot of people haven't heard it yet. Right, it's and new it's, to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mentioned I saw somebody in the chat mentioned earlier. Sorry, I didn't see what name it was, but they were asking where can we find people like uh, Tracy Beans. You can find Tracy Beans at uncoverdc.com. You can find their their Rumble channel, Uncover DC, and she she promotes our our channel, and I'm happy to promote hers. The Dark Delight podcast is an hour earlier than ours. I think it starts at 8:30 Eastern time. We come on at 9:30 uh, Eastern time. So end of the day, you're correct. I do think it's really amazing how many different audiences we have out there, how many different access points there are to share this kind of information. And uh, what a what a wild time to we we keep repeating the same story, but it is new to somebody. And I continually meet people. So here's a great example. I sat on the plane flying back from doing the Timcast show. First of all, my story was new to them in a lot of ways. And uh, the guy that I sat next to, Seamus, who is a you know an avowed Catholic, had no idea that I was the guy. He, like he didn't know he was sitting next to the guy that revealed the radical traditionalist Catholic memo, and he was really <laughs> excited about it. So we're going to do a podcast, and I'm excited to do that with him. But moreover, it's just amazing that people don't have that background because, as you mentioned, it's a very narrow set of things. We all have very limited bandwidth for this kind of stuff, and so the more that we can get in front of more audiences in uh, in this way, is it's. It does feel like we're repetitive, but uh, I'm happy to be repetitive in that sort of space if it opens up and shares more truth with people that need it. Agreed, man. And I think the more we've been able to tell our stories, the better 
yet. So I kind of feel true. bad about the people that heard it early on um, because, you know, this this bad boy has been edited down. Uh, I think the the FBI would say that we use good words now. Um, oh, we use and, good uh, words. That's good. Good time yes, back. Yes. <laughs> I, I think you're correct. We're, we're getting better and better at it. All right. So speaking of good words, um, let's talk about your book. Let's let people know where they can find it, um, where they can um, where they can buy it and what they can expect in that book. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Amazon uh, on pre-sale right now. True Blue, my journey from beat cop to suspended FBI whistleblower. If you hate Jeff Bezos, uh, Barnes & Noble has it available, mm-hmm. and you can buy it there. Uh, it just sort of is the, the first half is sort of my background, uh, some some really good cop stories that are edited down that I've told a million times, but I think are, are good to share, good FBI stories, uh, some of the good work that, is, that was done um, when I was there, and then get into the, uh, the, the Gretchen Whitmer case that I had an involvement with. With the uh, the whistleblowing I did with January sixth, and uh, and then the fallout as a result of that. And uh, interestingly enough, when I heard two and a half weeks ago from the FBI, those portions were everything that they wanted redacted from the book, um, which is yeah. Um, how much? That, what, tell, tell people how much they actually wanted to redact. I ju- I think it's so amazing. Uh, and and obviously that was one of your most popular tweets that you've put out. Maybe uh, share that so people get a sense of it. <laughs> Yeah, they sent a PDF back to me that was about 40 pages, uh, and I would say roughly 16 to 18% of the book they wanted to redact it out, um, and it was because I have a transcript of my conversation with my executive management uh, and my whistleblower complaint and then the Whit- the Whitmer stuff. Now, uh, look, I push back. The Whitmer case is adjudicated. There's no, I'm not compromising an ongoing investigation. That's right. Uh, my whistleblower com- uh, complaint is public. It was made public by Senator Johnson and Grassley. It's in the public sphere. Um, Ryan Riley can read it anytime he wants. And the, uh, the I think then it goes back to the transcript. And they, the FBI doesn't want to be mocked. We talked about that. The worst thing that they can suffer is ridicule. Uh, and the things that were said to me in that meeting, which I've talked about, uh, where they said my duty was to the FBI, not the Constitution. And they talked about, you know, well, I was jeopardizing my career on this and uh, and that police officers were killed on January 6th, which is just factually inaccurate. I think it just shows the FBI in a pretty negative light and they don't want that to come out. Uh, and I am not going to redact any of it. It's not uh, national security secrets. And I think radical transparency is the only way, if there's any hope at all, that the FBI um, is going to be pulled back from the brink. Uh, they need to just air all the dirty laundry because sunlight is the best disinfectant. It, it certainly is. Um, B. Cancella, I don't know who B, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but D, B. Cancella 0608 and asked in the chat, why don't we sell the birch, uh, the uh, the book direct on the merch site, I'd rather buy direct uh, from Steve. Is that a is that a feasible possibility, or is the the mechanism? I, I think too I can. Difficult? I might I might be able to 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 get like a bulk and, and buy them at a discount, and then we can sell them again off the merch site. I have to ask the publisher about it. I do know that they do bulk orders for groups. I don't know if there's a discount though. I'll have to to dig into it. But um, that'll be this will be a training scar, I guess, for my for my first book. Maybe if there's a subsequent one, I'll set up the at realstevefriendbook.com and everybody can get autographed copies. Yeah, I, I like that idea. All right. So uh, bear with us as we kind of have the growing pains. Neither of us planned on being in this space. I didn't plan on hosting a podcast on a daily basis. I know you didn't plan on doing the interviews uh, or <sighs> writing a book about uh, your experiences at this sort of venture. But um, we're all called to do something. And and as we had mentioned earlier, I, I think God has a plan, which is quite funny that uh, that's what we're talking about in this space. Because if you told me 20 years ago that I'd be talking about God's plan in my life, I would have told you that you're a lunatic. I was just like everybody else in the world. I've come and gone away from these things. But uh, more and more, I'm getting drawn to it. And I, I do think it's necessary for our world. So you can agree with me or disagree with me. I don't mind about that. Uh, by all means, put your thoughts in the comments. You want to write some some hatred about religion. <laughs> I don't mind it, uh, but, uh, but I don't agree with you. Um, I do want to tell people we really appreciate you. We went a little bit over on our time. I think it's worth always having Steve on for as long as he'll want to be with us. So um, I'm going to do a quick uh, read here. If you did like what you're hearing, you can always leave us a five-star review on Apple. There's a link in the description in the show notes. And uh, with the, this one is going to come from asked for nickname, but it was taken question mark. <laughs> I do like these long form names. It says good show today. This is from a couple days back. Uh, from Wednesday last week said caught your show live on rumble for the first time. And I enjoyed it very much. Your guest was very informative and well-spoken and along with you, she presents our federal law enforcement officer service as the professional group that we are accustomed to kudos to all of you for that. I realize now 
what it's like to represent to present yourself in the public forum, videos, etc., to constantly come up with topics, and you're doing it extremely well. Day Espresso Liber, maybe another one of our special forces friends. That's uh, that is their motto, and um, I really appreciate that. I appreciate these the the people that are watching, all of you that are in the chat right now, big fans of you guys. I am a fan of you being able to to keep up. I, I try to read the chat as best I can. But uh, moreover, thanks for joining us and uh, triggering some of the algorithmic uh, wins. I saw some people joined a little bit late in it. Um, really, really do enjoy that interaction. It's really cool to be able to see it. It makes this much more fun. It makes it more real. Uh, I know it makes it real for Steve. He's been got the chat going on in the corner there. So he's probably got a little bit of in the corner of his eye. It's a, it's an acquired skill folks. It's not something that we come by um, naturally to be able to talk and to read and to be able to relate to another human being. So it's out there. Uh, If you'll leave us a five-star review on Apple, we appreciate it. If you want to leave us a comment on Rumble, you can see it there. We stream live at 930 Eastern standard time. I do want to thank our sponsor, Patriot Cooler. You've been seeing it throughout the show. This is my Patriot Cooler. I uh, I just chalked the sixth state that this one has been in. This is my new one. I just got this a couple months ago. Already six states. Carried it with me when I went and did uh, Kim Tast. It was sitting right next to me when I was at their Harper's Ferry uh, studio space. And um, you know what? They're super durable. They're very functional. I carry it empty now. I used to be able to carry it full when I was... Uh, when I was an FBI agent, because I could walk through security with no with no uh, overseat, but uh, durable keeps me from spilling. It's really nice to have with you. You never know when you might need a tumbler or you might need a, a cup for water, even when you're sitting in a freaking hotel room, which is not my favorite game. Uh, this one is mine. It's in the olive green or the army green, I believe they call it. If you use promo code Kyle K Y L E K Y L E at the uh, checkout, you'll be able to pick up your own Patriot cooler for 10% off. If you buy more than probably one, you'll get up to over 50 bucks, 50 bucks, you get free shipping. So that's always a good deal too. And uh, folks, please join us again for Friday's show. I don't know what's coming up on Friday, but I do know that I'm going to be doing a couple of interviews today that we're going to be stringing out and it is going to get real fun. I want to thank my guest, Steve Friend, who you can find at Real Steve Friend on Twitter. Beat the censors. Don't let them win. Keep uh, keep the FBI censors off the uh, off the list at Real Steve Friend on Twitter. And folks, we will see you again very soon. Thanks so much for joining us on the Kyle Serafin Show. See you on Friday. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and Truth at Kyle Serafin.